match. Carrick, Southampton a bit stretched. Martial fires it out to Amber Herrera. Ladies and gentlemen, a very warm welcome to the Red Voices podcast. Thanks for stopping by. As always, my name is Ewan Leonard. I'm joined by Richard Can, And tonight, we're going to be talking about winning, because that's what we've been doing quite a bit of lately. United have won four games on the trot since we last recorded and picked up this season's first significant piece of silver in the process. But before we get on to the EFL Cup final one over Southampton, let's step back to the Europa League tie with San Etienne. And Rich, quite possibly the shit baggiest hat trick <laughs> in the history of all that is good and shit baggy by the man of the moment Slatan wow. Ibrahimovic it absolutely was it was it was a um, it was a bizarre game in that absolutely nobody appeared able to finish anything apart from Ibrahimovic who appeared to almost finish by accident half the time mm. <laughs> yeah his first hat trick for the club and it was the weird it was it was the weirdest game in the season i reckon that nobody seemed to be able to defend yeah it was a very strange one i mean sanasien I guess partially because we didn't necessarily expect them to get so much cop because, you know, all the pre-match talk about them, you know, not necessarily scoring very many goals, but not necessarily uh, um, conceding many either. It, it seemed like <laughs> they they weren't going to concede very many and they were going to score several, you know, from the off. You know, they they really unsettled United. You know, Bailey was a little bit loose and Romero was a, a bit more active than he would have liked. And how we got through that first leg without conceding, I'll never know. That was ridiculous. It was bizarre, but I guess, I guess you have to put it down to to Saint Etienne's finishing. If they don't finish, they don't they don't score. But not that we know anything about that, of course. Well, no. I mean, there, there are a few worrying things out. Eric Bailly's looked very very jittery since he's come back, um, and he had you know, he had quite a difficult time. And his pairing with Chris Smalling just doesn't look a natural fit. And yeah, I mean, mm. they 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 both had a very jittery time in that game. And as you say, Saint Etienne could have scored three or four, I'd have said. But then United could have got seven or eight. So it was just it was just a weird game. And there was absolutely no defending whatsoever. Um, and and not a great deal of finishing either, except for Ibrahimovic's scruffy, scruffy hat trick. No, I mean buying Smalling is a partnership that I don't think really works for anyone. No. <laughs> I don't think it really helps bring the best out in Smalling, and I don't think giving Bailly is uh, pound for pound our best centre back. I don't necessarily think it really helps him either. But you know that was that was uh, today excluded. We've been getting away from it in the last few weeks. But there yeah. we go. And, you know, after a rather slow start, shall we say, Ibrahimovic pops up with the free kick, having completely conned the referee into that free kick. Yeah. And then the luckiest finish you might see all season long. What a wonderful deflection. It was bizarre because the ball just literally creep over the line in slow motion. The, the mm. defender kind of stood there. The goalkeeper just flopped to the ground and watched it trickle over the line. Oh, I'm done. Can't get you in It was bizarre. You're thinking that's not going in. The goalie's just going to jump on that. And it did. I think Ibrahimovic was as surprised as anybody. He kind of stood there like, oh, how the hell's that gone in? But, well, hey. <laughs> he still managed to do that incredible celebration he often tends to do where he sticks his arms up in the air like, yep, yeah, I meant that. That's what I meant to do. That was a thing that I meant to do. Cantona-esque. <laughs> if he had a collar, he'd turn yeah, out, wouldn't he? For sure. I mean, he uh, he certainly owed a lot, well, basically everything to Marcus Rashford for the second goal, which yeah. uh, gave us quite a bit of breathing space. Because at 1-0, you know, for that first leg, it, did feel a little bit uneasy for the most part, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, St. Etienne is a, it's a difficult place to go. You know, we saw in the second leg that you know they have a fantastic crowd. It's quite a, it's a ground where you're very close to the pitch. It's a great atmosphere, and I think if we'd gone there without a lead or uh, protecting a, a narrow lead and having conceded an away goal, it could have been quite a, quite a difficult night. On the second goal, I think we've seen this season that 
and again to a degree today in the EFL Cup final that Marcus Rashford doesn't seem to play well wide when he starts, but he's a he's a really good substitute to have, and he, his pace and his his movement is trickery often is difficult to to deal with for a, for a tired fullback. And yet, as you say, you know Ibrahimovic owed everything to to Rashford for the goal. He kind of he went past his fullback and pulled it across really nicely, and keeper got a bit of a touch to it, and Ibrahimovic couldn't miss really. Um, and I think that second goal was important because. It just eased a few nerves, and I think we calmed down a bit after that. But having said that, Saint Etienne had the best chance after that after that goal. So that's true. I think it was a chip just over the bar, wasn't yeah. it? After a decent break. Yeah, that, that was. I mean, that, that they did seem to settle down a little bit, United, after the uh, after the halftime break. So that was at least encouraging to see, because certainly in that first half or so, there were a couple of fears of, you know. United just seemed to start in second gear and were struggling to get out of it. You know, we've seen that happen quite a bit over the last few weeks. But yeah, Slatan's second dive of the evening contributed to the hat trick. Yeah. Another, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I am not saying I dislike the man, but <laughs> in both of those instances, both the free kick and the penalty, if you can look me dead in the eye and tell me that those are two fouls, then I'm going to call you a liar, sir. But don't you don't you love the fact that we've got some serious snipes? Oh, it was I, a I, glory. I, shitbaggery of the highest level. It was. I really think the last two seasons under Van Gaal, we've just been too nice. Everyone's been nice, and um, we've we we've brought some real shit housery back into the team, and uh, and people hate us for it, which is great because if they hate us, it means they're worried. Uh, and and Ibrahimovic is is king of of king of said shit housery. This is true. I mean, I, I don't go in for all that. Oh God, all the rival fans are talking about us. That means they're afraid of us again. I I, I don't really get on down with all that chat to be honest, but. I've got to admit, I did, <laughs> despite, you know, its lack of visual appeal, I did very much enjoy the narrative as like Antatric in that first leg. That was great fun. So, yeah, that set us up very nicely for uh, the return leg six days later in San Etienne, but uh, until, uh, sorry, before that game, we had a quick trip over to Weewood Park and another wonderful chance for us to completely deck out uh, the away end. Uh, still missing, oh, gosh, I think United made up about a third of the crowd at Ewood Park in that. Uh, yeah. That fifth round tie, which was a little bit, uh, well, I mean, to be fair, given everything that's happening at Rovers these days, I guess it's not that much of a surprise. But yeah, that, that definitely turned, what was a surprise was the fact that Rovers actually gave us a game for a decent chunk of that tie. Yeah, it's strange because um, I was listening to a few Blackburn fans on the on the radio and they were kind of saying that the FA Cup is normally a game against United in the Cup would be a pleasant distraction. But at the moment, they've got so many problems that it just felt like a game they wanted to get out of the way so they could get you know focus on actually trying to stay in the champ but as he was there's a cracking atmosphere and Mourinho didn't pick Ibrahimovic and Pogba for, for obvious reasons really they've been playing you know twice a week for most of the season and to be fair it showed again we we didn't look entirely secure at the back and I'm not pointing at Chris Smalling well I am actually I'm pointing at Chris Smalling um as a particularly weak link again yeah and and to be fair their, their goal was an absolutely you know, really well worked goal, and it was a lovely finish. And even Mourinho clapped it on the uh, on the touchline. So yeah, good, good. I mean, if Slatter had scored that goal, we'd have been you know we'd have been writing soliloquies about it. It was a beautiful finish by Danny Graham. But thankfully, considering how this game could have gone, considering how you know an atmosphere at Ewood Park with Blackburn you know in the lead. All right, fair enough. Rovers are nowhere near the team they used to be, and look, they used to give us problems in this sort of atmosphere in this sort of instance. I could see if we didn't get a goal back relatively quickly, that we would struggle. And to be fair, you know, the, despite the fact that we won that game, you wouldn't necessarily say that was a convincing performance or a convincing result in any way, shape or form. 
but yeah, wonderful to get the goal back. You know, nice quick move. Romero started it off. Uh, cracking ball by Mkhitaryan. Cut straight through the defence. And Rashford rounding the keeper. One all. And then, as you mentioned there, uh, Pogba and Ibrahimovic, neither of whom started. You and Harriet and Kev spoke on the previous episode of the podcast in, you know, after that uh, terrible performance that Zlatan had against Watford, in which he was bad um, in terms of you know him and his importance and how he fits into the side and how, you know, our reliance and use of him can cause issues in that sort of instance. That's one of those. Ins- that's one of those examples where you just simply have to down tools, stop any th- other thinking, and just clap because that was such a brilliant goal that winner, wasn't it? If you think back to September and October, and we were having conversations about uh, Ibrahimovic, and you know the general sentiment was because he wasn't finishing at the time. General sentiment was we were a bit disappointed here because. We expect to get this world-class finisher. And what we've got is this guy who can't seem to hit a barn door half the time. And it, it seems funny now that we fast forward to to February and he he's winning us matches every week with really, really high-class finishes and really high-class centre-forward play. Mm. And that, that was such a lovely goal in that we've seen that Pogba vertical pass over the top of a defence time and time again this season. And... Very few players play that pass, and to, and to be able to actually do it is is incredibly difficult. And he, you look as the ball falls for um, Ibrahimovic, he's got a lot of time to think, and a lot of players would just have slashed at that on the volley and thought, I need to get a shot away quickly because the keeper's coming out and the defender's getting back. But what was absolutely top class about it was the way he just waited. He waited for the ball to come, he waited for the keeper to come out. The defender was nearly back, and he just side-footed it into the corner, and that was a really world-class finish. And that is what we hoped we were getting and what we signed him for. Um, even if it's for two seasons, we need we needed a spearhead and a world-class finisher. And that, I think, at the moment, is what we've got. Yeah. The, the immediate aftermath of that game, I think the only uh, you know, negative aspect was that you, know, the, you looked at the, the team that Mourinho had picked to start that game and you could say that, for the most part, it, you know, it wasn't anywhere near the reserves. It was a decent enough strong side that probably should have gone on to win the game. So perhaps, given that... We played so much football and we were away in France three days later and obviously uh, the EFL Cup final tonight that we had to call on uh, Zlatan and Pogba in order to rescue the game. So that was a slight disappointment in the sense that, you know, Martial was playing quite well, Rashford was doing all right. It was just disappointing to know that we kind of had to call on our lads on the bench in order to get the job done. But, you know, what a wonderful luxury to have that you could bring those two players into the game and they could have that sort of impact. You know, we haven't really had that a lot in the last few years, have we? In the sense that we could no. you know, rest genuine match winners for fear of not being able to get the job done, bring them on and have them turn the game so quickly. Well, I mean, if you look at last season, we essentially had one match winner and that was Martial. The kid was like 19 and it was just a ridiculous situation to be in. You know, he comes over and suddenly he's our only chance of a goal out of nothing, really. Well, to be fair, Rashford, you're also thinking that, yeah, Rashford as well. About say, Rashford, yeah. Rashford came through as well towards the end of the season, but even then, you know, you're looking at Martial to do something out of the ordinary. Rashford was really a finisher. I know he's got that wonderful goal at West Ham in the cup, but he was, he was a finisher, whereas Martial was a real, you know, he could create something out of nothing himself. But there was no one else. And now we're, we're, in, we're in a position where you can leave out and Pogba and you can still play Mkhitaryan and Martial. And I think you've now got four four genuinely, at the best, genuinely top-class match winners. And I think you can almost throw Matter into that now as well, because he's playing mm. so well. And we've actually got something of an embarrassment of riches. But by the same token, you saw at Blackburn how important 
Tuas, Pogba and uh, Ibrahimovic are. I mean, they're, 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 they are by some distance our most important players and they're playing, generally speaking, they've been playing on a level which is somewhere above everybody else. We've got this annoying habit, actually, of... I don't know if it's annoying if we're winning anyway, but we've got this annoying habit of kind of lower... When we feel something is going to be easier than than it, than, than it might be, we tend to slack off 5 or 10%. And it's a natural instinct, but we do. And Ibrahimovic doesn't do that. He plays at the same pace or intensity, whether it's whether it's his normal slow pace, but whatever, whatever he does, he treats every game exactly the same. Oh, for sure. I mean, the, the wonderful example of that was the second leg of the San Etienne clash we'll come into in a sec. You know, there was one chance where Blind was uh, coming in from the left-hand side. Side note, he's been all right at the left-back recently. Uh, he crossed, but the defender just caught the ball out. And Zlatan looked absolutely bloody furious with him. Bearing in mind, this was 4-0 on aggregate by this point. But he just looked like the world had caved in. He's a guy like um, Van Nistelrooy as well, who absolutely hates not scoring. And Ronaldo yeah. as well. Ronaldo's the ultimate one. You know, he could have Ronaldo could have a sulk if United had won 5-1 and he'd not scored. Um, Do you have a sulk? Nah, <laughs> come on. Nah, not him. But yeah, you know, Ibrahimovic wants to score goals in every game. And he... You know, that that is whatever the game he's in. He desperately, desperately wants to score, and he doesn't take to he doesn't take to others. Perhaps not showing the same level of uh, intensity that he might like. This is true. I mean, uh, speaking of negatives after the Rovers game, there was a negative slightly after the initial aftermath, which was uh, the draw for the sixth round in the quarterfinal. Now, to be fair, we we were due a really, really tough draw. In this competition, you know, uh, the last really tricky one we had would be Arsenal at home, and that was in Van Hal's first season. So that was what that's two full seasons ago that you could say we've had a really, really difficult draw. And away at Stamford Bridge, considering how Chelsea are playing at the moment, I'm not necessarily sure we could have got a more difficult one if we tried. Uh, that that's yeah. that falls right in the middle of our last 16 games against uh, FC Rostov. So the uh, the first leg is away in Russia on Thursday the 9th. Then we've got Chelsea on Monday 13th. And the second leg at Old Trafford is on Thursday 16th. A filthy run of uh, five games from Saturday the 4th of March till Sunday the 19th of March, just before the international break. That is going to stretch us so badly. And what a nasty game to get. It, it is a concern in that we have been flogging those key players every three or four days for most of the season. But on the other hand, I don't know whether it's an advantage or a, or a disadvantage. If you think back to the treble season, we were playing massive games every three days for the last few months of the season. And and those games actually gave us momentum going forward. We almost we almost got on a on a roll and every game just pushed us a bit faster. You know, whether we whether we physically hold up or not, I don't know. But given the number of games we've played already and the fact that some you know some of our players are still playing at a pretty high intensity then I'm not necessarily sure that's a bad thing I think the bad thing is drawing Chelsea at Stamford Bridge because they're really good and we're perennially shit there <laughs> this is true I mean yeah, even true. when we last won there which was the uh the the, the Ferguson's last season where uh Van Persie got one one on goal and then Hernandez with the most dodgy offside winner you'll ever see beautiful though it was Against and then two red cards yeah. <laughs> one of which definitely wasn't a red card yeah <laughs> that's um that that's what yeah. it took for us to last beat chelsea at stanford bridge which is ridiculous whichever way you shape it so yeah um to say i'm looking forward to it would be uh, a fib but it, it's gonna be an interesting game for sure you know 
Mourinho, by the time we've got the first leg of the, the last 16 tie, I'd imagine he's going to be just constantly concentrating on that. You know, he will want so much to get a win in that game for whatever means necessary, especially the way the game at Stamford Bridge in the league went, you know, a couple of months ago. That seems to be a big turning point for United mentally, so he'll be very much aware of making sure that he puts on a much better show himself and the team this time around. So I'm looking forward to it. Actually, no, I'm looking forward to it in that respect because, good God, it can't be as bad as that 4-0. No, it couldn't. Can it? No, it really can't. Oh, I, God, I've changed I, it now, haven't I? I actually, you know, I actually look back on that four 0 fondly now because that was the that was the last game where we were absolutely appalling. That was our Van Hal moment. There was a Van Hal moment we've, when we've lost what one in twenty seven since then, and that game, the game we lost at Hull, we really as, like we like I said we do we kind of just knocked off because we were two 0 up and we thought Hull were poor and mm. so it didn't really matter. So yeah, that that was that that, that was our Van Hal moment, and uh, I. I I can't imagine we'd be that bad again. No, that'd be good. I mean, we weren't necessarily that fantastic in the second leg of the San Etienne tie, but to be fair, once that first goal went in for Mkhitaryan, that was pretty much job done. Quick word on that game. Lovely goal to seal the tie. Yeah, I mean, you say we didn't play that well. I thought I thought we actually did really well. Um, yeah. Think about If you think about our, us United away from home in Europe in the last two years. This is true, this is true. Just, just think about some of the shambles we've had, including this season at Fighting Ord and Fenerbahce. We were always in control of that game. I watched the uh, I watched Saint Etienne play Leon in in the derby two weeks or well, a week and a half before we played them, and you know there's incredible atmosphere and Saint Etienne just steamrolled them. The, we we just didn't let them do that. There was no there was no opportunity for them to get ahead of steam up. We kept the crowd quiet, controlled the game. We were much more dangerous than they were. We got we got the goal, which as you say was a really really high class goal. Matters ball into Mkhitaryan was absolutely world class and the. The finish, mm. little toad finish, was absolutely perfect, and then we just we just controlled the game, and obviously Bai was sent off a little harshly in the second half, but nothing changed. We actually got better with ten men than we were with with eleven. So I mean, I looked at that and I thought that was a really really high class example of going away in Europe and closing out a game, which compared to you know recent European aways, we just haven't done that at all. No, no, maybe I've been a bit too negative. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I took a lot of I took a lot of, of of confidence from that because I just thought that was a very mature performance. For sure, yeah. I mean, yeah. now you reminded me of uh, you know ties against Liverpool and Midland last year <laughs> at a similar stage of the competition, considering how bad we were away from home and have been away from home for the last couple of seasons. Yeah, marked improvement. You know, I guess controlled the game, but yeah, thinking back to it now, maybe I was just judging it a little bit too harshly because United didn't necessarily need to do all that much. You know, that's the the luxury of having a, a three-goal aggregate lead to take away to uh, France with us. So, yeah, the hard work was essentially done by that point. And once uh, Mkhitaryan's goal was in, that was it. Bish, bosh, bosh. Tie done. Look yeah. forward to the last 16. I mean, you know, again, not a nice tie. And Russia, again, that is a nasty old draw, especially in terms of travel. And I would I would be surprised if that doesn't have some bearing over how the, the Chelsea FA Cup tie goes as a result, because that's not going to be... A particularly nice way to deal with things whatsoever. But there we go. We will cross that bridge when we come to it. So, Richard, my friend, let's move on to this evening. Um, well, hey. <laughs> the uh, Yep, wonderful to win the Mickey Mouse trophy. Although, to be fair, yep. I'm pretty sure Mickey Mouse doesn't have three years. So it's more like, you know, uh, a rat that's been tested on trophy more than anything else, I reckon. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, <laughs> an interesting one, shall we say, to begin with. It, it was a really, really odd game, wasn't it? 
it was in that United were absolutely hopeless at football, mm. except for except for shooting the ball into the net. Oh, we were amazing at that. We were. I mean, you know, Southampton dominated large periods of that game. They created a lot of chances. I, I questioned that the original, the first team, the lineup at the start, merely in the sense that putting Rocco at left back is about as useful as putting a dead buffalo at left back. It's just no good. It's no There's good. There's just no point. I mean, you know, he's done. He's done a really really competent job at centre-back this season, but he's an absolutely appalling left-back. I mean, Mourinho's put so much effort into getting us to like him as a centre-back and actually yeah. think, oh, do you know what? He's not completely terrible. He's just undoing it every single time he well, starts yeah, at left-back because he's so bad there. You know, Cla- Claude Perel would have looked at that and just said, looked at the team and just said, just just go for go for the right-hand side, go for Rocco. And he, they absolutely murdered him. You know, people pointed out quite fairly that we had a game on Thursday and... Southampton hadn't kicked a ball in two weeks. So they just came out with far more intensity than United and we were incredibly sloppy and we weren't winning 50-50 challenges. And then there was the goal that wasn't a goal that should have been a goal. I mean, Gabbiadini was uh, was very unlucky with that one. That wasn't necessarily a, a good decision by the linesman whatsoever. And, you know, had that goal stood, I don't think United could have had a single complaint in the world. You know, it was... It's not necessarily a case of making excuses, but there's a factor that does come into the equation, which you mentioned there, in the sense that Southampton had had a fortnight off. You know, they'd gone for training and everything. They had not played a game. And in that space of time, we had played three. You know, we travelled off to... All right, France isn't necessarily that far away, but we travelled off to France and we played in the FA Cup and then we played the second leg. So that is definitely a reason as to why United didn't necessarily have that much intensity. But the difference was... The lineup didn't necessarily help with that. You know, that back four, you know, as we said, by in smalling is not the dream pairing in the middle of the park. Rocco just got rinsed down the left and the the midfield two of Ferreira and Pogba were struggling for large parts of that half. You know, Mata, who had just come back from Spain on Saturday night from uh, uh, his uh, grandfather's funeral, you know, it's a great effort by him to, you know, get back involved with the team straight away, knowing the importance of the game. The matter struggled to get into the game, and it was only by pure virtue of Fraser Foster not being exceptional in goal that we're actually able to take the lead in the end. Yeah, it was. I mean, just on the lineup as well. I mean, I know I know he scored a goal, but I think Jesse Lingard gives us problems as well because he's not particularly dynamic. He's not particularly exceptional at anything, and it makes it more difficult for us to break quickly and retain the ball. And I think that was another issue, as you say, matter didn't really perform very well as well it just meant that we weren't keeping the ball and we weren't breaking out effectively but mm. as you say I, I have a theory that, that Fraser Forster isn't actually a very good goalkeeper and I did read a piece Ooh. a while ago saying that he saves an inordinately low number of shots that he should do compared to other goalkeepers. Solid working and to be fair that was only further backed up by the first goal I mean it was a very nicely struck free kick make no mistake but yeah the, the... Sky Sports players were having a field day with the keeping on that one. Well, it was a couple of feet inside the post, wasn't it? So I think mm. his positioning was poor and he just didn't react too quickly to the shot. But it was nice to see Zlatan actually get one over the wall and on target rather than just <laughs> rather, rather than just thunder humping it and straight into the into the face of the the nearest defender. Yeah, it's novel that, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, it was, it was a really well taken free kick. Forces should have saved it, but it, we were ahead and we utterly didn't deserve to be. But well, hey. Well, not only did we get ahead, we doubled our lead. And that was actually a very, very nicely worked goal. I mean, that was easily our best move of the entire game. Uh, and I'd say that above the winning goal as well. You know, throw in and then Pogba back in. Nice, uh, quick flick between uh, you know, Mata, Martial and uh, and Rocco. Rocco uh, in acres of space in front of the front of the box. 
Lingard in... I mean, what's bigger than an acre? A hectare? Is a hectare bigger than an acre? I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, I'm not very... I, I, I don't know my measurements well enough, but double the amount of acres that Rocco was in, Lingard was in. And it was a wonderful finish in the sense that, again, that wasn't necessarily a, quick, a particularly quick-moving shot either. But he placed it so well because he had so much time to think about it, got himself composed, and just started home. You know, Romeo was absolutely nowhere near him at that point. And a 2-0 lead really did Southampton a massive disservice, but it was just it was all down to the fact that we'd just been so clinical in front of goal, wasn't it? It was, and and I think that the Southampton centre back pairing wasn't was an issue for them. Nobody yeah. was anywhere near Lingard, and it was absolutely absurd to leave him in that amount of space. 14 yards from goal. Van Dijk was an absolutely huge miss for them. He's he's a really, really classy defender, but I think the result was that, that they found themselves 2-0 down, having probably deserved to be 2-0 up, but not. I, I doubt United could believe the position they were in, given how they played. This is true, but it didn't necessarily last that long. <laughs> no. This thing in the tail came just before half-time. I think it was... Uh, was it Ryan Bertrand who got past Rocco eventually? I mean, how many times did Rocco go for a challenge on that left flank of ours today and just miss completely it seemed like he was going in for last ditch he was all over the shop at times Gabby uh, Dini completely deserved that first goal and to be fair it was just reward for them we've been coasting for large parts of that first half and to have that two goal lead was very very disingenuous and you can just imagine I mean Mourinho's face when Lingard scored he looked like it was in a personal affront to mankind that we were 2 0 up. He looked absolutely goddamn furious. Yeah. So to be fair, maybe that maybe that uh, first Southampton goal made him happy. I doubt though, uh, after the substitution that brought uh, Matter off and Carrick on, that he was particularly chuffed with the equaliser. We were rather inconsistent at defending corners. I had this problem with, with Paul Pogba being the area defending corners oh. because although he's really tall, he's he, he's a bit random with the with his challenges and clearances and obviously he, he is good he is good at heading the ball towards goal when we are attacking he is yeah. terrible at heading the ball away from goal when we're defending he missed yes. two in the lead up to that I love and that man but he is so bad at it he is and he, he got his head to it but he kind of he kind of looped to the edge of the area and then yeah. they sort of knocked back in and a bit of a scramble and it was an absolutely brilliant finish from Gabbiadini but again Smalling was half asleep Smalling was Smalling and yeah, and it was two all, and 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 we were all very cross. Not because not because yeah. Southampton didn't deserve to be level, but but because we had a two goal lead, it just continued to be rubbish. Well, just just unavoidable, really. It, it was completely avoidable. That was the frustrating aspect, in the sense that you know Mourinho had clearly gone in a half time and said, "Look, this isn't good enough. We've got to up our game." And then you expect that whatever the manager says at half time is going to show in. You know the immediate start of the second half, but it wasn't like that whatsoever. Southampton simply carried on in that same vein and got the just reward of the equaliser. United didn't really get going, and the slight misnomer of the rest of you know the sort of the half an hour, forty minutes that followed that equaliser was essentially that we did grow into the game a bit more. Carrick being on the pitch obviously gave us a bit more of a mid uh, control in midfield, and we did start to build things up from the back a bit more. You know, we started to exert a bit more control, but that was mostly as a result of Southampton sitting back and waiting to pick us off. Yeah, I mean, they could have scored again. They they hit the post again from a corner. I think it was Romeo. And I guess who was marking Romeo? <laughs> yeah, precisely. Yeah, and Mourinho said this afterwards. I think if that game had gone to extra time, we'd have been in trouble. You know, they were clearly fresher than us, and and you know, we we had got some measure of control over the game by then. But 
we did look like we might wilt at any minute. I think we saw after he scored the goal in about the 92nd minute, Ibrahimovic was kind of doubled over on the halfway line, gasping for breath. Mm. So, so yeah, but but then I guess it's the sign of a of a a great team but a very resilient team that they can play like that and still still win the game <laughs> i mean getting away with it felt more appropriate but everyone we did we did it definitely win the game um yes. i mean that that could have gone so many different ways that second half you know there was uh nathan redmond's volley and redmond was excellent you know he really gave liverpool some huge problems throughout the uh, the semi-final tie against them and you know he was looking particularly sharp again today you know bertram was great Shane Long came on and gave us problems. Several passes straight through the six-yard box. You know, Valencia did well to pass one out for a corner um, towards the far post. And, it, I mean, as I said, it, it whilst it felt like we'd managed to get some control in the game by bringing Carrick into it after it went to 2-2, you still felt this fear that Southampton definitely had another great chance, another goal in them, because they were just working so hard. They played such a great game, but... This is the big difference between the two clubs at the minute, isn't it? You know, they haven't got Zlatan essentially. And it worked out quite well for us in the end, didn't it? What, I mean, I don't know about you, when Herrera delivered that ball, I was just thinking this is going in. And I very, 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 very rarely think that. Yeah, it was, it was, it, was, it went in slow motion, didn't it? It was mm. an absolutely brilliant cross. I don't, I can't overstate what a fantastic cross that was from that position. And if you watch um, Ibrahimovic as well, he just, He's he's around the uh, edge of the six-yard box and he deliberately just peels off the defender, just takes a few three or four steps backward, makes the space, and the cross was absolutely perfect. And Ibrahimovic couldn't really couldn't miss from there. And it was you know to win a cup, you know, you win a cup final, particularly in the game you've you've led two nil, you've tossed away that lead, you really don't particularly deserve to win it. But then to to score a late winner like that, you know, there, there aren't many better ways to to win a football match oh good grief now i mean you know that, that a, a win like that in that manner that can cure a thousand ills you know i mean we we've unnecessarily we've been quite critical of united tonight and let's, let's be honest it wasn't a great performance but it was so good to win it in that fashion let's be quite frank you know, a wonderful wonderful way to win the game and again looking at the way these last few weeks have panned out i think it was quite fitting that it was that you know as as we mentioned in that blackburn game Came off the bench, wonderful goals that I'm not necessarily sure anyone on the pitch could have scored. A shitbag hat trick, as we mentioned in the Sanity and first leg, but a hat trick that was scored nonetheless. And, you know, great free kick for the first goal this evening, and right place in the right time, strong, powerful header, straight down, well, basically straight towards Fraser Force's head and into the back of the net. And that's it. You know, that's the first significant piece of silverware of the uh, the Mourinho era. Because, you know, if you're counting the Community Shield, uh, you're wrong. Yep, you certainly are wrong. And and also, remarkably, Ibrahimovic's 34th trophy as a, as a footballer. 32nd, I think he said. Is it 32nd? Oh, 32nd. Slap myself around the face. 32nd personal uh, trophy as a, as, a, as a professional footballer. And mm. and also the the trophy that takes United clear of Liverpool in the time <laughs> major trophy. Uh, oh. You know, for, for twenty years they've hung on to that as their last, the last bastion of their greatness. And, but I didn't realise this. I didn't realise this until today when I actually saw the screen grabs of them saying, you know, that the England's most uh, what was it. England's most successful club with 46 major honours and now we've taken it up above 47. But that means they've been saying they're England's most successful club when they were joint tied with us ever since we won the FA Cup. Yep. 
Well, there's, there's they've some been holding on to that there. for this long. There's some disagreement, isn't there? People they were throwing in random cups and charity shields and all sorts to uh mm. to to suggest they've won more. I, I know it's pretty petty and pro cool, but you know they've, funny, that's, though, all, that's all they've got and and haha, not anymore. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Now, it, I mean, let's talk about what this. Um, I mean, actually, there's a couple of things we need to mention first. Number one, Rooney waiting patiently on the sidelines for his substitution. <laughs> But gosh, that was a sweet reaction, wasn't it? It was very cute, considering what's gone on with him lately. You know, uh, I didn't necessarily hold much stock in the ideas of him moving to China this transfer window, although I think that's a very real possibility, or at least him going come the summer, considering how things have panned out for him. But yeah, it was really nice to see him celebrate in that fashion and in that manner, despite the fact that he then didn't get to get on the pitch, but was still then allowed <laughs> nicely <laughs> to, go, to go first. Yeah, he got to lift what the trophy. What was about? I don't know. I don't know. That was, someone mentioned it was his John Terry moment. I don't think it was quite as bad as that because he wasn't suspended, but it was a bit close. I presume he'd been told to go and do it, or it'd been suggested yeah. to him that he should, but it, it yeah. was a bit bizarre. I think that makes a bit more sense than just sort of uh, saying. I, th- I can imagine he might actually have said, "Yeah, let's smalling or character it because they were on the pitch and I wasn't." I don't think he's a, the, he's the quite the level of narcissistic. Well, it was no. smalling at the start and then it was Carrick at half time. I, I think I'd be offended if smalling got to lift that trophy or any. You were not ever. the first person I've seen to have voiced that sentiment this evening. <laughs> Michael Carrick, yeah, smalling not so much. Yeah, but another another wonderful moment in the, in this last twelve months at, uh, of, uh, of of United to see us lifting the trophy at Wembley. You know, we, we've got some good memories there. You know, that's wasn't, a four wins on the trot there now. And wasn't Mourinho miserable about the whole thing? Oh God, you could just tell that if it had been up to him, he would have taken the team into the dressing room and told them everything that was wrong with that performance. Yeah, I think there was an element of that. I think he was really pissed off about the performance, mm. and I think as well. He feels that he doesn't want us to get distracted by that, and that he that we've got a lot more important things to focus on from now on. And so it's nice that we've won this trophy, but it's just a footnote to what should come after it. Um, yeah, I, I think. I mean, I, I was being a bit. Um, what's the word I'm searching for? I'm being a bit facetious with that comment about him wanting to get the team straight into the dressing room. I, I think, to be honest, once he saw what it meant, and once the intensity had died down after you know the final whistle had blown. I think you could see it for what it was. You know, it was an enjoying, sorry, it was an enjoyable atmosphere. It was a great evening and a great occasion. And as, as you know, he will know too well. Whilst I'm sure he he's got bigger fish that he wants us to fry in his mind, which is completely true. You know, we should be aiming for Premier Leagues and Champions Leagues, and this is a stepping stone towards that. Still, something significant. Still, something worth celebrating. It's a good achievement for us. Let's make no mistake about it. I think it's really, really important, not just for the season, but for looking further ahead than that. Trophies breed trophies. And that game could have really knocked us psychologically if we'd lost that at a really important time of the season. But to win it really gives us a, a huge boost. And I think back to the League Cup that United won against Wigan 4-0. And it was the, I think it was at Millennium Stadium. And United had gone through a lean patch and they kind of rebuilding and people had said you know is Fergie losing it and does he need to go do they need fresh blood or something and that that was really a catalyst for what what came after it one of the concerns I've had in the last year or so about United is we haven't had a lot of players who've actually won things you know so much of the squad moved on the the, the key players from the last title win aged or and retired or moved on really we had Rooney and Carrick left and Smalling and Jones but 
but generally speaking, it's it's almost an entirely new squad. So I th- for that reason, I think the FA Cup win last year was very important for those players, for for guys like Marcus Rashford and even Jesse Lingard and just 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 the new players as well. And I think to win another trophy, they're getting st- they're going to start getting used to that that feeling of winning, that expectation of actually winning things, rather than it being a monkey on their back. Although we're not at a stage, I don't think, where we can say Mourinho's at success. I mean, there's been some cringeworthy, mocked-up pictures on the internet of... Uh, the, the, oh, God, where we are now. That where we worse. are now. And so, you know, we we are sixth in the Premier League, and, for, you know, we're on our way to achieving our goals, but we're not there, and we've got a lot of work to do to do that. And Mourinho's improved so much about the club immeasurably including the football and the results at this point but we're not we're not at a point where we can say yeah this guy's a god but what does Mourinho do what has Mourinho done that he's always done is that he wins trophies and he wins league cups I mean that's his fourth league cup he takes he he is now the most tied most successful manager I think along with uh, with Brian Clough for the most successful manager in league cup history yeah and he doesn't do throwing competitions. You know, Fergie would sometimes, particularly in the League Cup, he would just throw it. He'd chuck in a team full of kids and we'd lose. And he, he really didn't give a toss, um, which was fair enough because we can't really complain. But Mourinho's not like that. He has to win every game. He can't play considerably weakened team in any game, which I think has been a problem for guys like Timothy Fosu-Mensa because Mourinho doesn't like taking risks. You know, he wins trophies and we've won a trophy. And, and Mourinho teams often win things when they don't necessarily deserve to and we've done that as well this so it's also pointed out that uh, this is the first time in united slash Eastern team's entire history where a manager has won a trophy not the community shield we are not bringing david moyes into this shush that they've won a major trophy something of note something of actual substance in their first year as manager which is ridiculous it, it is and we've we're still interested we're still interested in two other Cup competitions as well. Deeply so, interested. So we've got, you know, we're not going to win the league, but we've got, we've got a battle for the top four. I think, I don't think it's we can be blasé about that at all. We've got a very tough, tough job on to get to get into the top four, and that's very important. But we've got these other distractions as well. One of the great things about United, even supporting United in the eighties, when I was a kid, was that whilst we might not be um, up at the top in the league necessarily, we always, we always had um, cup runs we always did well in the cups and it was kind of an antidote to the disappointment of seeing Liverpool you know piss the league every every year <laughs> so so from that perspective it's really nice no we can't win the title this season to have these other cup, cup competitions on the go even if we've got to play Chelsea in the FA Cup so it just feels it's so different to last season the, this, this season feels alive whereas at this point last season the season felt utterly dead this is very true. I mean, I think the great thing about this season, you know, to combat the fact, you know, disappointment, the fact a couple more wins here and there, you know, three less draws or so, it would be right in the mixer for the title. And that would be you know, wonderful for us to be in that situation, considering that, you know, comparatively speaking, it's been quite some time since we've done that. But there's still plenty to have enjoyed about this season. You're talking about the cup runs. And yeah, it is essentially all right. Because we are out of the league title picture, the top four battle has certainly taken on greater importance in the context of what we're trying to achieve this season. But the cup run, the cup runs have been great. You know, the league cup's been thoroughly enjoyable. <laughs> Very pleased to have won that. 
And the FA Cup, if we get past Chelsea, could be something very, very special this season. And, you know, it's the Europa League, so it's never going to be anyone's favourite competition, especially when you look at, you know, Bayern slaying Arsenal. <laughs> Moments like that but it, <laughs> over in the Champions League. It could be incredibly important, though, to the season because... You're right, uh, yeah. The way the draw, the way the matches went in the last round, the, the competition shed quite a few of the more dangerous teams, and we're left with 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 teams like Roma and, and Leon, and there's, there's a couple of the Celta Vigo are still in it, and there there are a few dangerous teams, but several of them have been drawn against each other again, and whilst our draw against Rostov is not an easy one, and they 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 made a pretty good fist of their Champions League group, you know this is the seventh best team in Russia, and They've not won an away game all season. <laughs> well, we're the sixth best team in England. Well, we are. That's true. They've not won an away game in any competition all season, and what? Well, but they are. They are strong at home. But but we should be getting through that if we we play to our potential. And and then I think we're in a position where we can go on and win that that trophy. And when you were looking at being in the last thirty-two or whatever of the tournament, then it seems like it's a long way off and it's a bit of a long shot. But the further we get, the more the greater that chance is that we can actually win the thing and get into the Champions League that way. And you know, so we have really got two two genuine opportunities to get that Champions League place, hmm. which is bloody important, really. Oh, absolutely, God! I mean, can you imagine not? Excuse me, can you imagine not getting a Champions League place at the end of this season? That would be bad. It would make recruitment a lot harder. I think. I mean, we've got no reason to discount uh, Miguel Delaney's. Uh, own words about this when he was talking about the fact that Griezmann uh, is uh, <clears throat> waiting to see how the season pans out in terms of how United uh, finish and where they finish in terms of uh, Champions League places in order to fully give his uh, the green light on his potential and oft-mentioned move in the summer. So that's certainly going to have a rather big bearing on things. And to be fair, you wonder if Zlatan might actually fancy uh, a year somewhere else if United don't end up in the top four or win the Europa League because, you know, at this stage, he's got 26 goals this season. I'm not necessarily sure if he could, he would want to stick around for another full season of Europa League football like he has done here, unless he was sure that United were going to challenge for the Premier League. Because you know, even at that stage, there's no huge guarantee for it. There's some interesting quotes from Mourinho from the, the uh, post-match press conference tonight where he's been repeatedly saying that he, want, that he wants and expects or he wants Ibrahimovic to stay next year. But Ibrahimovic has been far more coy about it and Mourinho actually said you know I wouldn't advocate this normally but if you want to go to his house <laughs> knock on the door and beg him to stay then then please do I mean tongue firmly welded in cheap but <laughs> oh good grief. yeah yeah I but he's going to end up hating him this week well exactly yeah but it's clearly not a fait accompli that he's going to stay which would be a real shame because you know he I'm sure he's got another year in him and if he were to be combined with two or three more High, really high quality players. I mean, you know, can you imagine having a, having to choose from a forward line of Ibrahimovic, Griezmann, Martial, Mkhitaryan, Mata, and you know maybe one or two more? Um, you know, we'd have incredible strength and depth, and I think that would really be a team to be to be afraid of. But I get the impression with Ibrahimovic that he does. He's the sort of guy he doesn't want to be seen to decline. Or to be in terrible decline. I don't think he wants to be in a position where he's he's obviously dropping le- dropping a level, and it would be easy. You could be found out in the Premier League. You know, you don't you only have to drop sort of ten percent, and 
he would start to struggle. So I think he's got this idea in his head that he, he can move off to a BMLS or wherever, a, a less demanding league. And I think he's just trying to weigh up when that should be. Yeah. And I hope. I mean, I, I think hope, the thing is with him. Yeah, sorry, go on. No, sorry. I was, gonna, I was just going to say, I hope, I'd, I'd hope that he'd look at the way he's performing and the, the level he's at and think, well, I, you know, I think I can do that for another year. I think if we get top four and there'll be one more of the two trophies of the cups that we're in at the minute, then he would be almost certain to stay. I wouldn't yeah. want to place a heavy bet on him staying if we didn't get top four in Champions League qualification in some manner this season as a result, because I think he will fancy himself somewhere else. Because he's, he's really, let, let's be quite frank, whilst we have spoken about the drawbacks of playing him so often for United this season, 26 goals at this stage is absolutely stupid for a man of his age. It's ridiculous. Yeah. He's a complete freak, and he's a wonderful freak, and I'm a big fan of him, I'm not going to lie. But yeah, we'll, we'll see how that one pans out as the season ends. But yeah, there we go. Uh, first piece of silverware, as I said, of the Mourinho era. First significant trophy of the season one. Set up relatively well, I guess, for uh, progress in the other two comp competitions, although, you know, I'm touching wood as I say that. And nicely placed to having to start the top four. I mean, I think the big thing from today, Rich, was when you look back at the way that game panned out, considering how much football we played recently, considering how much football we still have to play, that massive difference, and it might be this slightly simplistic point, so bear with me on this one, but it is genuinely just so satisfying to see the resilience that United have got now, isn't it? We've just got a few really, really top-class players who have the, the sort of mentality that means they can win games like that when they're not necessarily playing very well or when the team's not playing very well and that we've missed that we really have missed that and that you know we've we've missed a mental fortitude but you, you get impre- you get the impression with guys like Ibrahimovic Ibrahimovic can be having an absolute stinker of a game but he doesn't lose faith in himself you know he doesn't stop wanting the ball like, even when Pogba's stinking it up he wants the ball all the time and we we've missed that i think a few got you know, started hiding. Well, Rich, I guess at this stage now, having uh, spoken about four games of football, four wins on the trot, it's about time to dust on this evening with some Twitter questions. Are you prepared? I'm I'm never prepared for these questions, but but bring them on. Shrek Antonima, who asks, when will we see Shaw? Also, Smalling is not very good, isn't he? Uh, the second one, I think we're agreed on that one. The first part of that yeah. question, God knows, because if Mourinho genuinely thinks that Marcus Rocco is a better option at left-back than Luke Shaw, then he is screwed. I, I wrote something about this this week, and I, I think I think his situation is slightly different from Marshall and Mkhitaryan in that I think there was always an aim to get them back into the team at a certain point, whereas I get the impression with Shaw is that he's just out because he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing or he's not doing it to the level which he should. And the problem he's had is that when he has played this season, he's largely been extremely poor. Um, and it's interesting seeing quite a few quite a few journalists actually uh, referencing his attitude and we know he had some issues at the start of last season with uh, Louis van Gaal although we don't know exactly what that was about but you, there were sort of rumours that it was a similar sort of thing and I really am starting to wonder whether he's just not recovered physically and psychologically from that injury I mean that was the big concern was with an injury that severe you just have to lose you know, 5% of your coordination or your pace or your strength in that leg or whatever else, or five, or just 5% of your nerve to be to be playing with that leg. And and, and you're not the same player anymore. And I, I just wonder whether 
it's a combination of that and that he's just not doing what he's supposed to be doing. And I really do fear that 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 he's on the way out now. And not and I'm not criticising Mourinho at all for that. I just mean it from it's a shame from the perspective of the the, the hopes we had for him when we signed him. You know, the he was supposed to be ours and England's left back for the next ten to fifteen years, and yeah. it just it just hasn't. It's really unfortunate, just hasn't panned out the way, and I, just, I would not be surprised to see him sold in the in the summer. No, I think the the way that the narrative has turned since uh, he signed for us, and the way that he's had a couple of really great peaks in you know, the start of last season, he was absolutely exceptional. And we were just thinking, God, this is it. We've got it. This is great. It's wonderful to watch, and it's turned quite sour since. And the thing is, it's really disappointing because you kind of want to look at the situation from his perspective and say, oh, it's just not panned out for you. It's really disappointing. But on the other flip side of that, we've seen this happen twice this season with Marshall and Mkhitaryan in the sense that Mourinho has been publicly challenging them, essentially calling them out in press conferences and saying, this is what they need to do. This is what they haven't been doing. And then they will play. And that's why Marshall and Mkhitaryan are at this stage of time anyway, fairly regular starters. You know, Mkhitaryan is probably, well, actually, Mkhitaryan's definitely part of what you would consider United's strongest eleven, and Martial is pretty much in that, if not pretty much just on the periphery of that. Shaw's nowhere near that, and he needs to do what Martial and Mkhitaryan was, which was basically make themselves, you know, (laughs) make themselves undroppable, take their chance with both hands, and show Mourinho that he's capable again. And he just hasn't done that. And as, as we said, you know, Rojo and Darmian and Blind, you know, none of those three players are natural left backs and they are getting ahead of him in the team simply because they are giving Mourinho what he's asking for. And until Shaw does that, then he's not going to get in the side. And as you said there, there's a massive, massive worry that he'll just never get around to it. So yeah, I would, we're expecting him to see him gone next summer. I think the difference is that the Mourinho will look at Mkhitaryan and Martial and he'll look at what they've done before and he will he, he knows that they are are absolutely high you know top class players when they play to their potential whereas I think he looks at Shaw and from he doesn't know because I don't you know aside from a, a very promising sort of five or six games at the start of last season Shaw's never played at that level so you know Mourinho doesn't have that knowledge that he he can make him that good. He may just not rate him. He may just not think he's ever going to be good enough to play consistently for us, even if he improves. I mean, Ashe Karimi asks, uh, based on today's display, who do you think is out the door next season? I'll give you a clue. His initials are CS. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I can see that one happening. I mean, you could see uh, two of the potential substitutions in the second half as well being gone. I mean, I know Fellaini has uh, had that extension to his deal, but I can see that partially being as a way of protecting him because I think yeah. if we're going to if we're really going to pin Mourinho to the wall and ask him what his plans are for Fellaini, I think that's a short-term stopgap kind of situation that we've got going on with him. So I could see him going next summer. And if Rooney started the club this after this season, I'd be absolutely staggered. In terms of those who played today, I'm not necessarily sure of anyone. I mean, I do genuinely think even if Greensman comes in, I don't see what the point is in getting rid of Matter at this stage. No, no. Well, isn't he, isn't it not me at the point where we have to be looking at uh, a new deal or not a new deal. I think his his, his deal's up next next summer. Yeah, I think it's just over eighteen months from now. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, <clears throat> we've got that. We, we're at that point where we have to decide what to do with it. You know, we know Matt is not the kind of guy. I think when he when he joined when he joined, he didn't have an agent. I think I'm right in saying that. And I don't think he had an agent when he joined Chelsea either. 
Um, you know, he's not a guy who's going to hold us to ransom for a ton of money. If he if he wants to stay here, then he'll 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 do so on decent terms. It's just a case of whether he wants to keep him. But he's playing the best football I think he's played since he was at Chelsea. It would be a real shame if we if if we were to get rid of him because I think he's he's a, he's a huge asset for us, particularly when we're going to be playing a lot of games next season, whichever competition we're we're in. Zimster asks, "What do you think of De Gea today? He looked nervous. Didn't come out for the ball for crosses." I think. David De Gea is a better goalkeeper when he's facing a ton of shots. You know, he's on point all the time. And I do think there are moments when he when he switches off a little bit. I think he needs to be in the zone and involved regularly to, to excel. And obviously we mm. don't throw up the number of chances anymore that we have done over the last two or three years. And, you know, he still can make absolutely world-class saves at key moments. But just sometimes he looks a bit a bit flat-footed. But I'd be loath to blame him on either of the goals today. I mean, the second one particularly, the turn and shot by Gabbiadini was so acute and Smalling was in the way. He was rooted to the spot. He's so good at reacting in those situations normally. I think if he's not moving at all, then that suggests it was a very good shot. It was, and it was was hidden. You know, the shot wasn't expected and it was hidden by Smalling and it was so close in. I just just don't think he had a chance to react to it. I mean, again, he's not necessarily needed to be our top player of the year this year, which is great. So as far as as Dave goes, he's got a pass for me considering what has come in the last three seasons. Yeah. But yeah, Vikash Patil asks, do you think Jose's mute celebration after full time was because deep down he knows he got it wrong today? I think, as we said before, I think it's part he's pretty pissed off at the performance and it's part that he doesn't want anybody to get carried away. He doesn't want the, the, the players to think that achieved something and we can slack off. I think he just yeah. wants it to be another game en route to to big, bigger targets towards him. One of your followers, uh, at Man City Army 1894, asks, full-time, why did Josie have the look of someone who found out he'd be missold PPI? <laughs> He's right, yeah. Yeah, as we said, I, I think it was just that. I think he... Yeah. Right, Chris McGuffin asks, uh, Rojo's awful performance at left-back got me thinking, why don't we loan out Shaw instead of letting him rot in the reserves? I mean, he's not necessarily rotting in the reserves, he's rotting on the bench. I think the problem with that is he's on an absolutely enormous amount of money as well, um, and you're not going to get a club to take him on loan and pay his wages, so it's just a case of whether we want to carry his wages again for another season. But uh, I guess we have the same issue with, with trying to sell him it, that we have with a lot of players. That he is on a huge amount, and I'm not sure many clubs with that kind of money would want to take a risk on a guy who clearly hasn't recovered from a very very serious injury so you know perhaps that will have to be the route we take and peter porker with the last one of the nights how concerned should we be about so many poor individual performances i mean to be fair once phil jones comes back into the side i'm not worried whatsoever so yeah phil comes back in sorted all done yeah why would you be worried I think at this point we're playing so, we're, we're playing so many <laughs> yeah. games at this point, aren't we? That players' form is going to is going to ebb and flow, and mm. I think at this stage the most important thing is that we're still winning games. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I get Peter's point there completely. I think uh, it was this was by no means our best defensive display. You know, we've conceded more goals in this game than we have in what the last month or so, a month or two yeah. maybe. We've been really, really solid defensively of late. I think it was just a bad afternoon and the back four selection was not up to snuff and that certainly didn't help in any way shape or form but in terms of this being symptomatic of a longer term problem I'm not necessarily sure I would go that far I think it was just a bad selection that contributed to uh, what was for the most part not necessarily a fantastic performance but we will leave it there for the evening Rich as always your company has been ever thank you very much and you sir 
Guys, thank you very much for listening, as always, once again. Don't forget, you can get us on Twitter. You can get me at at you and Lennox. You can get Rich at at RichardCan76. You can get the pod at Red Voices NUFC. And for Richard Can and Sean Ranson's writing, you can go to redvoices.net. We're very grateful for your support. You guys have yourself a cracking week. We'll be back with you after Saturday's Premier League game against Bournemouth. Good night. Good night.